All right, let's pray. Father, thankful for our servant sacrifice, willing to come to this world not to be served, but to but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for us and and for many more. And we pray that you would continue to call out people for your namesake, that that we would be conduits of your blessing and grace as we uh, seek the lost through our conversations and relationships. And we pray that you would help us to better know how to give an answer for the hope that we have within us. And we pray that you would equip us even this hour in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Today we want to try to understand why epistemology is important. We'll talk about what that is in just a second. Um, to become familiar with terms and concepts surrounding epistemology, and then also to apply four basic principles of knowledge to our own ideas um, and the ideas presented to us by the world. So if you recall in our previous classes, we looked at three worldviews. The first is a pre-modern worldview, the second is a modern worldview, and the third is a post-modern worldview. Anyone uh, want to give a shot at what a pre-modern worldview is? Okay. Right. So, so it's a it, it it's a belief system. It's a worldview uh, that understands that there are absolutes. Right. We're going to talk about that a little bit more today, and how that relates to epistemology. Okay. Secondly, the the moderns. Um, oh, before we get there, the pre-modern also uh, understands God both as transcendent, high lifted up, and imminent, near. And, and able to um, interact with his creation. So he's not like the deist God who, who is just out there and he kind of set the world in motion then he backed off and he's not concerned. Our, our God in the pre-modern worldview is one who is both high and lifted up and near and within. Secondly, the modern worldview. Anyone have any idea what that is? Uh, right, it actually could be either one. You could pick one or the other. They believe that either God is transcendent and not imminent, that's the deist God, um, the God of many of the forefathers of our country, that they believe that God basically um, set the world in motion, but he's not concerned with the day-to-day life. He's not involved in every aspect of life. He's not um, in control of every molecule in the universe. Or there's there's the God who is just imminent and not far high and lifted up. So he's kind of more like the buddy God. Um, he, he's only near. He's in everything. That's more of the pantheistic God. That everything is God. Like this podium is God. You know, we are God in some way. Um, so it's it's kind of bizarre uh, way to think about it. But right, it is one or the other, transcendent or imminent. Now, how about the postmodern worldview? Which is much of what we find in our society in today. Postmodern worldview believes that there are no absolutes, right? How can we really know if there is a God? Um, how can we really know what truth is? What is reality? Um, you know, are we really existing, or is this some kind of a dream? Um, and that's the kind of uh, mindset that that we have in our culture today. That really um, uh, that uh, that overpowers much of the thinking within our culture, that we can't really know truth. There's relativism is king. That is, 
well, it might mean mean something for you, but that's not the same thing for me. Um, that might be truth for you, but that's not truth for me. So there's no standard, there's no rule of measure, there's no measuring stick by which we can say, okay, this is what is true, now let's base everything else off of truth. So let's look at epistemology. What is epistemology? The word um, episteme is a Greek word that means understanding, so epistemology would be uh, the study of understanding, or the study of knowledge. And basically what it tries to determine is on what basis should we evaluate truth? What is truth? How can we know truth? How can we be sure that we know truth? How can we, um, how can we verify claims of truth? Uh, is there a standard? That's the sort of questions that epistemology seeks to answer. Now, epistemology is important, but let me just give you a few um, disclaimers here at the beginning. First, our salvation certainly does not depend on a correct view of epistemology. And after this class, you'd probably be thankful for that. All right? Our salvation is not dependent on a correct view of epistemology. The topic, I think, is important, and it's helpful for us um, in our spiritual maturity and, I think, for effectively engaging with our culture. But, but there's no philosophy exam on the final judgment day. God's not going to ask you what you think about epistemology and how you can know truth is real, that sort of thing. All right, second disclaimer is that this is probably the most complex topic we will tackle in our study of apologetics, defending the faith. So if you walk out today thinking, I do not understand any of that, that's okay. All right, I'll probably be with you. I'll be raising my hand with you. I don't understand any of that either, okay? So why is this important? Why study epistemology? Um, given what we've looked at regarding God and, and the world and how the two relate, what's the practical importance of studying epistemology for our uh, desire to defend the faith? I think it's important because the source of knowledge can either be from a personal God. In other words, where does knowledge come from? Does it come from a personal God who has revealed himself to us in creation, a God who is not silent, or are we supposed to come up with knowledge some other way? Are we supposed to come up with truth some other way? That's why it's important. And so in our defense of our Christian worldview, remember our worldview is like a house with furniture, and they're going to come in and try to say that that doesn't make sense. Those pieces of furniture don't make sense in that house. And we have to defend why we have those pieces of furniture in our house. Uh, let me tell you the function of those. And so one of those questions that might come up from a secular postmodern culture is, is going to be, how do you know that you know? How can you be sure that what you're saying is true? And so the main idea today is how you understand the nature of God and reality is integrally related with your view of knowledge. And epistemology and theology are really just kind of reinforced one another in a single world view. So, we talked about the three main worldviews. One of the other things that we talked about in the early classes is the difference between the open and a closed system. Do you remember the boxes uh, on the handout? Okay, the, the open system says that God is, is interacting with his creation. The closed system is the box where God's not interacting with his creation. He's, he's kind of cut off from it. He sets it in motion. That's, again, the deistic God, the modern worldview. And then the third one is there is no box, right? The pre-modern worldview. So, 
it, we we believe that our universe is open, but but if we grant that the universe is closed, originating from nothing than an impersonal force, then force, then really it's impossible to receive revelation from God. And that's why you have people who either say we have a closed system or we have no box at all. So that's why you're going to have trouble convincing them that that this is true. Okay, God told us this because they're they're basically looking at a system that says, well, we don't buy that. We don't buy that God is interacting with His creation or that that, that it really matters. Um, and so that's why, again, I think that's why this is important. We need to we need to understand where truth comes from. Now, in the study of epistemology, there are three types of knowledge. Three types of knowledge. Okay, this is uh, just a little bit more groundwork before we get into the, the details. First type of knowledge is called the knowledge of spiritual truths. The knowledge of spiritual truths. So, for example, God exists. That's a truth that we know that is true on the basis of Scripture. Or, Jesus is God's Son. Spiritual truths. These are truths that we cannot verify with our eyes. Right? We can't duplicate in a scientific laboratory. These are truths that we have to gain supernaturally. That is, through the supernatural work of God's Holy Spirit, that we understand that He is and that He is a rewarder of those who seek Him, as Hebrews says. This is the most controversial type of knowledge. We'll see this when we look at the three worldviews in relationship to these types of knowledge. Secondly, that's not plugged in. Anybody else need some air in here? So first, the knowledge of spiritual truth. Secondly, knowledge of logical truths. Logical truths, like 2 plus 2 equals 4, and uh, truths that you can get from inductive or deductive reasoning. This is genera- generated by what we could call human reason or laws of logic. If the, there are within us these laws of logic that we can just understand these sorts of things and build upon them. Thirdly, knowledge of physical truths. Okay, so knowledge of spiritual, knowledge of logical, and knowledge of physical truths. Physical truths is things that you can understand based on your sentence or your senses. Uh, your senses. So uh, that this podium is here, we can we can use our senses, some of them, uh, to determine that this podium is here. I don't know that tasting it would help us very much, but um, but some of other senses we can use to to determine that it's here. So. Pardon me? Materialism? Not necessarily. No, because uh, let, let's get into these, how the three worldviews looks at each of these, and then uh, maybe that will help. All right? First, the pre-modern worldview. How the, the three worldviews relate to these three levels of knowledge? Um, so we're going to get to your blank here in just a second. Before we get there, just let me give you a broad outline. The pre-modern worldview takes all three types of knowledge and believes that they are valid and true, right? We understand that God exists and that these spiritual truths are real. The, the laws or the, 
the knowledge of spiritual truths. We also believe in the knowledge of logical truths and physical truths. So that's a pre-modern. The modern believe, can you guess which two, two of the three they believe? The modern worldview? The last two, right? They don't believe in the, the spiritual truths because God's not, God's not involved in their minds. God's not involved. They, they are, um, they they believe that that would be more of a, um, a blind faith to take God at at His word like that. Instead, they they have to be able to understand it from human reasoning. Thirdly, the postmoderns. How do you think they look at the three types of knowledge? How many of the three do you think they accept? Postmoderns. How many? No. Which one? Human? Nope. Zero. We can't know anything. That's the postmoderns. They, they, there is no absolute truth. That's what they say. There are no absolute truths. We can't know anything for sure. It's so bizarre. Okay. Uh, again, um, um, you watch some of these movies that, that kind of have these kind of worldviews, like, again, The Matrix or... Um, what's the one with the dream, Leonardo DiCaprio, Inception, okay, what, what is real? You know, which, which part of this is real life and which part of this is a dream? That's the way they look at life. They're not really sure that, that what we're doing right now is real. Or if this is some just kind of um, animation of, of some, somebody else's thought or something, it's, it's really a bizarre way to think and, and that's why it's so hard to reason with these people. All right. So, we want to look at um, three main principles about epistemology on the basis of the Word of God. So, turn to Proverbs chapter 1. Proverbs chapter 1. Any questions or comments so far? Alright, number one. Knowledge is possible and good. This is what we understand from the scriptures. Number one, this is your blanks. Knowledge is possible and good. All three types of knowledge that we have just listed, spiritual, logical, and physical, are possible and they are good. Someone read for us uh, verses 4 to 7. <laughs> based on what we know from the scriptures, based on what we know from verse 7 here, is knowledge possible? Is it possible for us to know anything? Yes, and what's the beginning of that? You have to fear God. That's the beginning of knowledge. So, knowledge is not only possible, but it is good. And there, there are, throughout the book of Proverbs, 37 more references to knowledge. And, and the, the job of Solomon is to convince his son that knowledge is good and that he should seek it with all that he has. That's what chapter 2 is all about. You know, pursue wisdom with all that you have. For by it you will understand the ways of the Lord and you will avoid evil. So, 
So pursue it. Give it everything you have. If you knew that you had a hidden treasure in your backyard, you would spend all of your waking hours working to get that, get at that hidden treasure. Or in somebody else's backyard, you would do it still. But the point is, you would pursue it with all that you had. And that's the value of knowledge. That's the value of wisdom, according to um, what God, how God values it. And so we should pursue it with all that we have. And Proverbs, of course, is not the only that holds up knowledge as something that's attainable and something that's good. Uh, the rest of the scriptures do as well. Hosea 4, 6, 6 that God says to uh, Judah there, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Um, John the Baptist is sent to give knowledge of salvation. The Pharisees are condemned for having taken away the key of knowledge. Paul and the other New Testament authors write about the knowledge of God and the Son of God and our Lord Jesus Christ and of truth, um, which helps to renew the, the new self, leads to godliness. And, and all of that is attained through knowledge. And one of the highest prayers that Paul can pray for any believer is that we would grow in the knowledge of God and, and in, in all uh, spiritual wisdom and understanding. One of the prayers that I often pray for, for each of you, that God would cause each of us to grow in all knowledge of Him and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. So we can have knowledge and we can know what is truth uh, on the basis of what God has said. Um, let's turn to Second Peter chapter 1. We'll look at another one here before we move on to the next one. Second Peter chapter 1. Knowledge here is included in one of the lists of the cardinal virtues of a Christian. Someone else read for us verses 5 to 7. No, that's good. Thank you. I I got lost there for a second. But uh, verse 5. In your faith, or to your faith, add moral excellence, and to your moral excellence, knowledge. So inside, not not something that we would expect in a list like this, when we think of virtues, but but apparently Peter sees it as, on on the basis of his authority, um, of the Holy Spirit, from the Holy Spirit, that knowledge is actually something to be pursued like a virtue and that something that is achievable, attainable, something that, that is um, valued in the eyes of God. All right? So number one, knowledge is possible and good. Number two, knowledge is difficult and partial in our sinful state. So while we say we can attain knowledge, we can know what is true, what is truth, um, we can't know it perfectly, can we? Hey, we, we have a... Um, we have the 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 uh, remnants of depravity still living within us, right? Does anybody else fight with sin here besides me? Okay, um, some of you are quick to raise your hands, and others not. Okay, but that's okay. I I I, all know, I know that we all are struggling with sin, and um, because of that, it, it affects the way we view creation. Uh, it actually affects the way that we think about God. It affects the way that we intake the Word of God. And so, 
um, knowledge is partial and difficult in our sinful state. But there is, uh, there is truth that we can know. First Corinthians 13.12 We see, but in a poor reflection as a mirror, then we shall see face to face in the next life. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully. So we have some way of knowing truth now, but there's coming a day when we'll know much more fully than we know now. Right now, 2 Corinthians 5.7 says we walk by what? Faith and not by sight. We, we can't know everything perfectly, right? The secret things belong to the Lord. God's ways are higher than our ways. We're not infinite. We can't know everything, but we, we can know to an extent. David in Psalm 119 asked God for knowledge and good judgment, but when contemplating God and his, omnis- uh, his, his power, David admits that such knowledge, Psalm 139, 6, such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Um, and Job, I think, agrees with David there. He says in chapter 42, verse 3, God, I have uttered what I did not understand, things too wonderful for me which I did not know. Right? Job thought he could see things clearly and then the, the, the difficulties of life were just poured out on him uh, and, and at the end of it God speaks to him and, and when he realizes how small he is in comparison to God he says, God, your, your ways are much higher than mine. Your knowledge is much higher than mine. I thought I knew but I didn't know as well as you. First um, Corinthians thirteen eight says where there is knowledge it will pass away um, that that knowledge is fleeting um, and he Paul echoes the same thing in Ephesians three nineteen the love of Christ surpasses knowledge because love never ends so in our current sinful state knowledge is difficult and partial number three knowledge is a gift from God so knowledge is possible and good knowledge is difficult and partial knowledge is a gift from God the true source of knowledge is a gift from God this is what sets us apart from the moderns and the postmodern um, people is that, that we understand that knowledge is a gift from God that anything that we know about God is because he kindly revealed it to us he kindly made it known to us who he was and what he expected of us. Um, the disciples in Luke chapter 8 asked Jesus the meaning of a parable and Jesus replies, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God has been given to you. It's a gift. But to others I speak in parables so that though seeing they may not see, though hearing they may not understand. Or how about Peter when he testifies that Jesus is the Christ? Who do people say that I am? Uh, they say a lot of different people. Who do you say that I am? You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And what did Jesus, how did Jesus reply? Right? Flesh and blood did not reveal this to you. Okay? But how does, the, how does that end of that go? The, my Father? My Father in Heaven or something like that. Reveal, the point is, it's a gift. Okay? The fact that you know anything about spiritual truth, the, the fact that you are confident about spiritual truth this morning is a testament to God's goodness and the fact that you have been given that gift. And um, so, so we need to recognize that knowledge is a gift from God. Daniel in Daniel 2.21 acknowledges that God gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the discerning. 
again, Paul prays for believers that they would grow in all wisdom and knowledge and understanding. So that implies that if he's asking it of God, that it comes from God, right? And we know that knowledge is a gift because of James chapter 1 that says that every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of heavenly lights with whom there is no shifting of shadow. There's no changing in God. And so any gift that we have, including the gift of knowledge, comes from God. So the Bible clearly presents truth as a gift from God and is dependent upon faith in God and His revealed Word. And yet, we still see that the Scriptures use the word knowledge throughout. So, our faith does not detract from knowledge as if, well, you know, you're just kind of believing something that may not be true. The fact that the Bible says that we believe and that the fear of, right, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, even though that that requires faith, it doesn't detract from the, from the truth that knowledge is real and that, that knowledge exists. Because um, the, the way that we could look at it is, well, since it's faith, well, then how can we really be sure that this is knowledge? We need to spend a little time talking about um, modernist epistemology. So, so far we just looked at pre-modern epistemology. Um, and we talked about the two forms of modernism in the past, right, that came out of the Enlightenment period and the Romanticism. Uh, the Romanticism period. Remember, the Enlightenment held that the human reason was the single valid path to knowledge. So, it's all in our minds. Uh, reason is over faith. Reason is more important than faith. And so they would just sit around and ask questions and and try to come to truth that way. Romantic during the Romanticism period, um, they believed that human intuition, passion, or feeling were the valid paths to knowledge. So if you wanted to know something, you had to kind of feel your way. Use your senses to get there. Um, not so much the mind as much as, as the body. And so we have said that reason... Uh, we, we have said that knowledge is a gift from God, but we have to also agree that even reason is a gift from God. And... Um, so whenever modernism specifically denies our ability to know the spiritual truths, we, we certainly disagree with them. And inevitably, modernism is going to kind of gradually degrade toward postmodernism, which is what we'll look at next. But, but in modern epistemology, they, they are looking at knowledge as possible only through human reason or experience. Remember, their idea of God is that he is far removed from us or that he's in everything, that, that we're not interacting with God in the way that, that our God, the God of the Bible, uh, interacts with us. And so in that way, we need to come to truth on our own. See, they actually believe that there is truth, there is logical and physical truth, but they don't buy into the fact that there is spiritual truth. And, and that's because God is, is either far and distant or he's in everything. And so uh, as a result, it's going to be hard to to uh, to reason with these kinds of people, but again, as I've said before, the main thing is we need to just um, we need to shower them with the scriptures, allow the the word of God, because how can they call on Him in whom they have not heard? The the goal is to to expose them to the scripture. Okay, a lot of times they argue against Christ and His existence and what His His death meant, but often they haven't read the scriptures for themselves. So. 
Hey, if you are all about reason, how about reading, you know, one of the Gospels with me? And we'll talk about it. Alright? Any questions before we get into this really hairy area of postmodern epistemology? Jonathan? I guess I don't understand. Um, I guess I understand. Is there a question there? Or? Well, my understanding is that Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think there's a danger in a um, an unhealthy. Um, an unhealthy study of, you know, the dark arts or something like that. Um, but but that's not what we're trying to do. We're trying to figure out where we can come to a common ground, not a neutral ground. Remember, I tried to make the distinction between those two. But but a common ground with with um, people within our society. So um, I guess the the all the two extremes would be let's just study all philosophy. Let's use all of our time to study philosophy and figure out what they understand in order to know it better and to be able to, to talk with them more carefully. The other extreme would be, let's just study the Bible. And we're not going to read any other books. We're not going to look at any news. We're not going to listen to anything that the culture has to say. And that would actually border on asceticism, which is what the monks would do. You know, they, they tried to get, get themselves away completely from society. So I think, I hope we can see the problems in both of those um, systems. But I think um, Paul in Acts 17 clearly understood the culture when he's talking to them at Mars Hill and said, you know, he, he knows about their history. He knows what kind of gods that they serve. So how does Paul know that? Is that something that just came to him intuitively? I mean... How does Luke know all the um, all of the uh, cultural background of the Jews and the Romans throughout the book of Luke and Acts? Um, well, he tells us how he knows that in, in chapter one, verses one through four. He studied it. He said, "I I have taken a careful record of all these events." And and um, I think Paul says in Titus, you know, Cretans are always always liars. I mean, he he knows some of the cultural sayings. That were that were going on. So, yeah, there's definitely an unhealthy uh, wallowing over into the knowledge of evil. Um, but but I think going to the other extreme is actually equally as dangerous because we've we're made to be of this world and to 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 live in this world. We're not not to be of this world. We're supposed to live in this world. Um, and so, I I have to. Maybe take some more time to think how I could explain that better, but you know, just on first thought, that's how I'd say it.
Right. Yeah, so the more you understand um, wisdom, knowledge, then you'll be able to uh, uh, discern what is true, what is right. Um, I mean, what what Adam and Eve were doing, I don't think necessarily applies because, um, at least as, as far as I understand it, yes, what they did was wrong, but um, but they were clearly seeking to usurp the authority of God and not accept His word as truth. So I don't think that's what we're doing in trying to um, in trying to look at uh, kind of how our culture thinks. You know the way that they operate, and then trying to attack that. I mean, it's 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 probably on par with what um, you know a commander would do in a battle, trying to figure out what the enemy's um, what what the enemy's method of attack is. So, what are they trying to do in order to defeat us? What are they trying to do in order to defend themselves against us? Well, we got to find out their tactics so we can destroy them because we're going on the offensive. Now, again, now when we look at our people that we're talking to, they're not our enemies in that terms, but I think the same sort of thing applies. It, it works in sports as well. I mean, you're a fool to say, well, let's just go to practice. We're just going to do our thing. We don't care what the other team does. Well, you're going to get run all over because someone will find out your weaknesses and destroy you. Um, and so I think we need to figure out what the weaknesses of our enemy enemies are and, and, and exploit them. Do you have a thought, question? Yes. Yeah, and really what can happen if if you kind of just close yourself up with only your Bible. Again, again I, I, I want to be careful how I say this because I don't want you to think, okay, let's study everything out there. But, but sometimes the other extreme out here is, okay, we're, we're just going to hold ourselves up with the Bible and then when come, someone comes along and they can just take us away unsuspecting because we don't understand like the nuance between the fact that, wait a second, the Jehovah's Witnesses also believe that Jesus was a real person, and they also believe that he came from God, and we could think, well, maybe that's true, right? But if, if we don't under, actually understand what they're saying, I mean, how do, else do we know what they're saying? Unless we, we, we go over and, um, I mean, we have to do some sort of surface-level study. Again, I don't, want, I don't think we ought to go over to their kingdom hall or something, and, like, we really want to know all their doctrines, but you thought... How's that? Chapter uh, 3? 2 Peter three seventeen. You therefore, be beloved, knowing this beforehand, be on your guard so that you're not carried away by the error of unprincipled men and fall from your own steadfastness but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. So, I think the difference, maybe, um, now I think about it, between what you're asking about, Jonathan, and what Adam and Eve did is, 
that it wasn't that Adam and Eve studied something. That wasn't the that wasn't the sin. The the fact that they knew that there was something else out there. That wasn't the sin. The sin was actually believing that it was better than what God had to offer. So what I'm saying is, when you study something outside of what the scriptures teach, fine, study it. Study it with all that you have and, and understand it. Try to try to know it and how, how to combat it. But don't believe it. That's, that's, I think, what the scriptures would say. And that's why you have so many times, I mean, almost every single uh, book in the New Testament has warnings about false teachers. And, and how do they disguise themselves? Right? How, how, do the, how do the demons disguise themselves? How do these false... They, 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 I mean, if you've ever been to a Catholic funeral or a Catholic wedding, there's lots of truth there, isn't there? Right? And, and, and an unsuspecting person could say, well, that sounds pretty good. Right? I mean, they got Jesus dying on the cross for the sin of the world, salvation by faith. Right? And yet... We need to we need to understand what exactly is behind that that um, Catholic theology, and that it actually is a lie of the devil. Because what Satan does is he transforms himself as an angel of light, as as someone who is presenting truth to us, and then he just mixes in a little bit of error. If we don't see that little bit of error, then we can be dislodged. And so the difference is not between. I mean, I, I guess the choice that we should make is not between studying something outside of the scriptures and not studying it's believing something outside of the scriptures and not believing so our goal in this is is to try to understand it in a way that we can combat it that's that's kind of what second peter or first peter 3 is talking about make a defense for the hope that you have within you and it actually solidifies much of what you understand it, it solidifies what you know about god and about his truth as you come to understand the errors of, of, um, that are presented by Satan and his army. All right, well, anyone else have any thoughts on that? All right, postmodern epistemology is easy to describe but almost impossible to explain. Number one, knowledge is spiritual uh, I'm sorry, knowledge is impossible. So all knowledge, knowledge of spiritual, logical, or physical is impossible. This is what postmoderns believe. Knowledge is impossible. You can't know anything. Secondly, claims to have spiritual or objective logical truths are really a form of domination. Okay, so what they're going to argue against you, because you believe that there are absolute truths, that you can know something, they're going to believe that you're trying to dominate them. They're going to say things like, you don't know that. You're just trying to make us feel guilty. Or, you know, religion is just a way of controlling people. And that's all you're trying to do here. You're trying to control me. Um, yeah, Paul. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Again, yeah, if we think, again, if we think about our... If we think about their worldview as a house with furniture in it, that's where you walk in and just kind of kick over some of their furniture. Do you really know that? Okay, how do you know that's how that's supposed to be set up, right? Because they're coming into your house and they're saying, this doesn't make sense. You can't, you can't say anything this is real. And you walk into theirs and you say, yeah, how do you know that, you, that I can't know that, right? Good. Dr. Al Moeller, president of Southern Seminary, describes postmodern epistemology this way. 
He says, according to postmodern theory, truth is not universal, it's not objective, it's not absolute, and it cannot be determined by a commonly accepted method. So he's just explaining what postmoderns believe. Instead, he says, postmoderns argue that truth is socially constructed, plural, and inaccessible to universal reason. So do you understand what he means by socially constructed? We just set up truths that, that work out for our benefit, effectively. You know, to, just in order for us to have a somewhat peaceful society so that we're not just, you know, all killing each other, we have to come up with some kinds of standards, but, but, it's, but we can't really know if those are the best standards. Um, postmoderns effectively deny that we can have knowledge of any truths because, in their minds, there are no truths. They disbelieve in knowledge of spiritual truths because they accept the modernist critique of it. If you can't see it, if you can't deduce it, if you can't reproduce it in a scientific laboratory, you cannot know it. That's, that's where they follow the modernists. And um, So, two primary implications. Number one, rational communication or knowledge is impossible. That's what I gave you that blank earlier. Um, the the um, the thinking in this sort of in this sort of um, mindset is just bizarre. You know, it's for example, they would say, "I know what I think I'm referring to when I say the word green, but how do I know that it's the same thing that what you're thinking about when you say the word green? If my knowledge of green is green as represented in my consciousness." and not green in itself, then I can't be sure you and I are referring to the same thing when we say green because I don't have access to your consciousness. Consciousness. See, easy to explain. They don't, under, they don't take any truths as real, but hard to, uh, he, easy to define, hard to explain. That, that's, that's the kind of bizarre conversations you're going to have. Now, you're not going to probably have them over the color green. You're going to have them over the truths that you're trying to present to them from the scriptures. You know, you can say that Jesus is real because you buy into this scripture that you have, but how can we really know that he was real? Okay, and, and then you could try to, again, try to go through all these um, methods of reasoning and um, you could come back to the fact that we are all made in the image of God and all this, and they would say, well, how do you even know that, that you and I exist? And that's the kind of bizarre way of thinking that they have. Um, and so they basically come down to the to the understanding that we'll just agree to use the words that we want to use that we think are the same things but we'll ignore the question of whether or not there's any objective reality of what we're talking about. So we'll agree to talk about words um, that, that seem to make sense to us but we can't really know if what we're talking about is, is actual reality because what is reality? Secondly, claims to have knowledge are a form of domination. Basically, they look at any truth claims that you make against them or, or uh, about anything as tools of power in disguise, in disguise that they want to unmask. And so their job is to basically deconstruct what you have to say. They, they don't have an alternative to say, so if we say, God is and God has provided a way for you to come to him if you believe in his son, Jesus Christ. Um, their job is not to 
to offer you an alternative. Their job is basically to deconstruct what you've said. How can you know that God is real? How can you know that Jesus is real? How can you know that salvation is real? Have you ever met anybody that's made it to the next life? Type thing. And and basically what they're trying to do is come into your worldview, knock over everything, and they're not asking you to come over to their worldview. They're just saying your your worldview is dumb. So how do we how, how do we respond to this? What's the proper response? To uh, especially a postmodern um, epistemology. First, Christians should recognize that there are areas of agreement between what we believe and postmodernism. Postmodernism also wants to tear down the idols, um, not in the same, not for the same reason, but they they want to um, they want to condemn the the idols that have been set up of false religion. They, they want to get rid of the, the, the religion that's out there. There are religions out there, by the way, that, that enslave people. They want to get rid of those. And so we can agree with them on that. Secondly, Christians should firmly argue that postmodernism is among one of those idols. They, they, they want to tear down these idols of, that are there for, for taking over people's lives, enslaving people. But what we need, we need to help them to see is that, that they're understanding their worldview is actually one of those idols. Third, Christians should affirm the possibility of knowledge and the reality of the transcendent God. So this is what we said that we believe from the beginning, that knowledge is possible and that God is transcendent. Uh, let me just finish here with um, one final one final thought for Christian response and then a quotation from a theologian. Christians should affirm the possibility of... Uh, I already mentioned that, so that's... Let me just get, give you this final um, final thought from Carl F. Henry, who is a Southern Baptist theologian. He says, The Bible, to be sure, does not present us with a comprehensively elaborated epistemology. So if you wanted to understand what epistemology was, we wouldn't go to the scriptures. Okay, that's not what the, the goal of the scriptures is. But, he says, its content nonetheless implies a theory of knowledge and even provides struts for such a theory, theory. Namely, scripture unapologetically declares that Jesus is, the, uh, is central to the Godhead. That God, God uh, the Father sent the Son to be our Savior and to reign over all. That he will be the judge of all the earth. So knowledge and faith are possible and reasonable because they rest on the ground of reason, the source of reason, which is God himself, who is so much more than just mere reason. He is the firstborn of all creation. And our knowledge of creation is possible because creation reflects um, him through whom creation came to be. That he is our God, one, one God, uh, and, and, and Jesus is our Savior, one person in two natures, both human and divine. All right, so hopefully there was some value you could receive out of that, but um, hopefully from here on out we'll, we'll uh, have some easier topics to, to cover. All right, let's pray and we'll be dismissed. Lord, thank you that... Um, we can know the simple truth that you are uh, God who is eternal and immortal and who is the creator of all things. But 
But because of your special revelation through your word, we can know more than that. We can know that Jesus uh, is our Savior and is the one to whom we must look in order to come to you because we cannot be accepted by you apart from your Son. So help us to to um, understand your word more clearly and to grow in the knowledge of you and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.